Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. I still feel those moments of panic, like, oh, geez, I need to be, you know, I need to get that next sale. I need to do something. I have to talk myself out of that, right? Okay, relax. Let's get back to that rational brain. And that's what I think happens is people, people who have a good control or a, um, a good grasp on, on, their, on their rational brain are just more successful at it. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, The Best Mental Toughness Quotes That Will Make You Better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D R R O B B E L L, to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. So, this is Dr. Rob Bell on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness. Be sure to visit the website, drrobbell.com. And if you like this episode today, which I know you will, uh, please subscribe, leave a review. Those really help. Our guest today is, I call him a friend. The reason why I call him a friend is because on LinkedIn, you have tons of people that reach out to you. Most of them, you have no idea who they are. And right away, it's like a business card exchange where then you totally forget who that person is, except for this individual. Uh, this is an ultimate connector. Um, and I think that is why he's such a good job at his he does such a good job at connecting people because even on his LinkedIn page, it says, who can I connect you to? Now, there are going to be people that talk the talk, but he walks the walk. And because even before we really got to know each other, he was connecting me to different people and just, you know, wanted nothing in return. Until I got to know this guy, uh, and this guy is so dialed in, not only written a book that I love, it's called Chase Greatness, uh, Lessons Learned. Uh, less life lessons revealed through sports, but he also owns Am Spirit Business Connections. That's a membership-based business, and what it's designed to do is just further the entrepreneurial spirit in America, just by connecting people and working together. Um, he's a big fan of No One Gets There Alone, um, which is, you know, obviously I love the book because it's my mission, but it's this guy's mission. I know he leads it all the time. Also, one of the things that really impressed me about our guest today is he's got his phone number up there on his LinkedIn page. Maybe he's even going to share it on this podcast today, but I'm excited about talking uh, to this individual today. I know you're going to really like this. This is Frank Agin. Frank, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. You know, when it comes to the entrepreneurial spirit and and these connections that you make, how did this become the philosophy of your and cornerstone of your business? You know, I, 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 I live in Columbus, Ohio. I, I moved here from the state of Michigan, went to law school, never intended to stay, got a law degree and an MBA from Ohio State, worked for a big firm, um, really didn't enjoy it, went into private practice, had no idea how to get clients. I was that bad actor at networking events. 
and I stumbled on uh, the organization I now own, um, and you know I got into one of these groups, and these you know people are familiar with BNI, Am Spirit's very familiar with BNI. Um, immediately made total sense to me. It is so easy to promote other people. Um, and that's the essence of these organizations is you help everyone sitting around the room and just trust that it's going to come back to you. And it does. It's a leap of faith at first. Um, and, you know, in time, it just became so natural to, you know, I can help these people. I, you know, I can I can help anybody. Um, everybody I meet is a good connection for somebody I already know. They can either be helped by somebody I know or they can potentially help somebody I know. And if I just kind of take that mindset and take myself out of the equation, um, it becomes it becomes kind of a high moment every day because you're always helping people. But things circle back. You know, you just trust that and it just comes back. So it all takes care of itself. And people say, well, what can I do for you? Not really, I'm not really worried about it. Um, it, it takes care of itself. So, I mean, I'm not dumb about it. I'm not doling out, you know, $10,000 bills and um, uh, and things like that. But, you know, I'm I'm open to helping people. So yeah. that's how it happened. So, Frank, I mean, like in life, right, like we have givers, we have takers, we have matchers. Um, when it comes to this connection piece, like it totally makes sense, right? Like if you help enough people get to where they want to go, you're going to get to where you want to go. Yep. Like we know this intellectually, but what happens, do you think, especially in the entrepreneurial spirit, what do you think happens that prevents that from still taking place organically and in helping people get to where they want to go? Well, I think it's I think it's as simple as. Well, you're a psychologist. It's, it's as simple as uh, sports psychology, man, not not licensed psychologist. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, but it's but it kind of plays into the same thing. We have two brains, right? We have this we have this slow thinking brain that can rationalize and we can rationalize that if I do things for other people, it'll come back to me. But we have this very more primitive brain, uh, a more primitive brain that is constantly in survival mode and that takes over. Um, and so, you know, I can help other people. I still feel those moments of panic like, oh, geez, I need to be, you know, I need to get that next sale. I need to do something. I have to talk myself out of that, right? Okay, relax. Let's get back to that rational brain. And that's what I think happens is people people who have a good control or a, um, a good grasp on, on, their, on their rational brain are just more successful at it. And people who kind of are driven by emotion um, – you know, they, they panic and they just, they're the ones at the networking event just kind of, I, I, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell. Um, and the people who have control can just step back and say, all right, I, I can just relax. It's, it'll happen. Does it come back to a matter then of, you know, fear and just trust? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, we, you know, and I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I'm I'm not a sociologist, but I I kind of look at those areas and I think about human development. And there was a time, much of the time for human existence, that we lived in tribes of about 150 people. Um, you know, and we fast forward a few thousand years, and you know, we're living on streets where we don't even know our neighbors. Right. So we're kind of thrust out, and we're talking to total strangers. And you know, our our development is is while well, you. You know, you trust the people you know. It's like, well, I hardly know that person. 
um, I know they're my neighbor. They live down the street. I don't know that person. So we get to these events and it's like, you know, we're, we're thrust in front of so many strangers and, and we're not designed to have trust just happen like that. So if let's say somebody's listening to this for the first time, right? I mean, let's say they're a, they go to the networking events and they haven't had any success to it. Instead of like the strategies on how they need to network better, what do they need to do in order to uh, take control of their rational brain and be led more by trust instead of that fear? I think it's as simple as learning what you can about the people who are there, who you're talking to. I mean, that's, when I get out and I talk to people on networking, one of the biggest one of the questions I get frequently is, how do you carry a conversation? And my response is always carrying a conversation is simple. If you walk into a conversation, worry about what you have to say, you're going to struggle. If you come into that conversation with a game plan to get them talking and really understanding and, and, and being interested in what they have to say, it becomes easy because, you know, you and I talking, you know, we could, you know, we can go on for it for days about sports, you know, and all we all I had to do was get you talking about, OK, well, I, I knew by your background what your passion was. Um, but even with total strangers, it might be sports, it might be kids looking for that one thing we have in common and getting them to talk about that. Uh, how, do, how do you do that? If we're if we're at a, an event, like how do you how do we find that common ground? And then how do I start to ask the right questions? Well, um, it's a little bit of a dance. I, I analogize it much to boxing. You know, in boxing, you know, the, the the boxer is setting up his opponent with little jabs, right? Little jabs, you know. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Rob, great to meet you. Is this your first time here? Awesome, you know. Um, where are you from? You know, well, I'm from Indianapolis. Oh, that's great. Are you from there, you know? Um, you know, no or, or yes, you know. Um, I was joking, Columbus, Ohio, I say, and Indy's probably much the same. Nobody's from Columbus, Ohio. Everybody moved here from somewhere else. Right. And so you can get them talking in a hurry about, no, I'm not from Columbus. I moved here because I took a job with whatever, or, you know, I'm from, I'm from wherever. And then you, okay, how, how did you end up here? Tell us that story. Or, you know, I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm from, uh, you know, I'm from New York City. Okay, are you a Yankees fan or are you a Mets fan? You, you know, and they might say neither. Okay, they're not a sports fan at all. Yeah. And you got to head in a different direction. But they might be a sports fan, and you know, you know, now I'm a Patriots fan because my dad was from Boston, and you just, you know, and you just let it, you know, it, you just kind of you you take those little smaller questions and look for that angle, you know, jab jab, and then the punch is that bigger question where you let them go. Well, how did you get to Columbus? You know, mm. I ran into a guy the other day from California. You know, it's freezing in Columbus, Ohio. Why are you here? Ah, my wife's from here, you know, tells a story. Well, how'd you meet her? How did that all work? And he just goes on and on. And as he talks, there's lots of little side roads we can head down. Yeah. It's never about me. So what do you do if you're in that situation? Um, Because I think we've all been there. We're trying to have that conversation. And we know that this is not going anywhere. And I'm, I'm just not, I'm not feeling the energy, right? I'm just, I want to move on from the situation. How do we get out of those kind of discussions? Well, I think it's as simple as, as saying, Hey, it's, it was great touching base with you, you know, um, getting acquainted, 
even though it wasn't great, but you say, hey, it was great getting acquainted. Um, there's a couple people over there that I promised I would check in with and just break away. Okay. You know? See, I didn't know if it was one of those like cocktail party, like Elaine Bennis were tapping ourselves on the top of the head. Like, yeah. we, we got a plan heading into the party. If I'm tapping my head, come save me sort of thing. Yeah. No, you save yourself. Just say, hey, listen, you know, I, you know, I promised myself I'd meet three great people. You know, I got one, I got one down. I got to go meet some other people. Yeah. Is there anybody I could introduce you to? Um, you know, and people, if it's not going great for you, Rob, it's not going great for them either. So um, they're probably just as relieved. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. Our new book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. It can be bought anywhere books are sold or go to the website pukeandrallybook.com. Do you, do you recommend having like a strategy like heading into a networking event? I want to meet three different people. Do you, do you recommend having that sort of game plan in, going in? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't really have goals per se, but I, you know, I walk into an event and I think we're all apprehensive of walking into an event. Back to what I was saying earlier, we're not, we're not accustomed to walking into strange situations, walking up to strangers, and we do. And so we feel that anxiety and I feel that anxiety. Um, it, it's natural. It's part of that primitive brain. I talk myself down and just relax. You're going to go in. You are coming in here and you're going to help somebody. You're going to you're going to meet somebody. You're going to connect them. You're going to help people today. That's why you're here. Um, but I don't have a, a, a set goal as to how many new people I need to meet. That kind of puts too much pressure on it because I might run into somebody and it might be somebody I already know. Yeah. And we reconnect. Um, and that's just as important as meeting new people. If you really stop and think about it. So I might be at an event and just spend the whole time reconnecting with people that I already know that, um, as long as they, as long as I didn't see them yesterday, it's not a waste of time, but reconnecting with somebody and, you know, introducing two people that I don't, that, that I know that don't know each other. So there's certainly value with respect to that. So I don't really have, I, I never walk away from an event saying, well, I got nothing out of it. Because you, you don't, you never know. You never know where three years from now somebody calls you and says, "Hey, we met." Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, one of the things that I learned, I think it was it was from a book, and it might have been even from you, but introducing people. And I learned early on, like one of the most uncomfortable things I could do was just kind of leave it totally blank and say, "Hey, Frank, this is my friend Bob," and then that's it. I've always felt like if we're going to introduce somebody, hey, this is Frank. He's the owner of Am Spirit Business Connections. Frank, this is the this is another Ohio State fan. Right. Kind of leaving them that that little uh, diving board for him to be able to kind of jump off of. I mean, do you have any strategies like that in terms of if I'm introducing somebody that you really fall back on and that, that you adhere to? Because I probably learned that strategy from you. Well, I, I you know what you do, I think is great. Um, if and I do a lot of this on on email. I'll introduce two people. You know, I'm going to introduce you to somebody who I think should be on your podcast. I'm going to send them an email and you're going to be on that email and I'm going to introduce the two of you and, and, and build up both of you. And I operate the same way in, in the real world. Um, you know, Hey, this is Bob. I want to let you know about Bob. You know, he's got a great story as to whatever, or Bob's from California. He moved here with his wife and he, you know, he's got a great story. Um, so yeah, I, 
I, I tend to try and do that as well. Frank, how how do you define mental toughness? Well, you know, mental toughness is simply continuing forward when things aren't going your way. And it, I know you talk about it in terms of, of sports. And people think about mental toughness in terms of sports. And really, mental toughness is every day. I mean, every day, you know. I have good days and there are things that go bad. And I have bad days and there are things that go worse. Um, and, you know, there's always a part of me, again, it gets back to that primitive brain where I just want to curl up into a ball and just kind of let the, you know, it'll go away. And, you know, mental toughness is basically just saying, you know what, I can't, I got to work through this. Um, I got to work through, through this. I've got to, you know, I've got to get, I still got to get some things done. Um, one of the things, one of my strategies for mental toughness and getting through those bad moments is trying find trying to find something nice to do for somebody else. Um, it doesn't change the situation, but it makes me feel better. And sometimes that's just what you need to kind of keep it cycling back up or start cycling back up. Um, you know, they say bad things happen in three, and it's probably true. It's because when bad things happen, people start to commiserate. You know, they're not paying attention and then they're driving erratically and get in an accident. And you know, it's one thing after another. But if you ha kind of have that bad moment and you do something to help somebody else, then it just kind of sets it, you know, kind of heads it back in a different direction. I, I mean, I'm always a, a fan. I always say that, uh, you know, when we fo obviously when we focus on others, we get outside of our own head. And when we're stuck inside our own head, we're behind enemy lines. I mean, that's when, you know, I think yeah. we get attacked the yeah. most. So that's yeah. your prescription. Like when you're having a bad day, you focus on others. Yeah, just find something to do for somebody. It doesn't have to be anything big. It's just, hey, I'm going to introduce some people. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get on social media or I'm going to get online. And uh, you know, I've gotten to know you. I've gotten to know lots of people out there who have great material. And just, I'm going to go find an article. I'm going to read it and I'm going to go share it. Um, you know, does that change your life? No, but it helps. Um, but it gets you outside of your head in that situation yeah. you're dealing with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that technique, man. It's a great strategy. We should write a book around that one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, the parts that I think we always share on this show is these hinge moments. These, yeah. that one person, that one event, one moment that made all the difference in your life. What's, what's a hinge moment that you can share with us? You know, when um, the, the hinge moment was October 15th, 1983, I, I played co uh, small college football. Rob, I literally went to college. I didn't even visit. I just wanted to play football. Um, and I talked to the coach, a little tiny school in Wisconsin, uh, Beloit College, talked to the coach. He said I could play there. He said, well, you, when are you going to come visit? I said, well, I don't need to. If I can come play there, I'll be there. Um I mean, he said, yeah, don't you have any questions? Yeah, what's the mascot? That's the only question I had. So anyhow, I, I went to school there. I did really well in school, um, but I was always really dialed into football. And I remember my senior year knowing that it might be coming to an end. Maybe there's semi-pro, maybe there's this, maybe I can keep, keep playing football. And um, October 15th, 1983, I got hurt, uh, got had a, a teammate roll into my uh, knee, tore my medial collateral. Everything was done. Um, 
And, you know, I was I was really in a bad way for a long time, graduated, went off to law school. Um, and one summer I decided, you know what? That was fun. College football was fun. I'm going to write a book about it. So I spent a whole summer writing a novel about my four years playing college football. I, you know, changed the names and, and whatnot and just brought all the fun things and, and the ups and the downs in. And in that process, I kind of exercised my football demons. You know, I couldn't understand why I got hurt. I worked so hard. Why did I get hurt? Um, and I realized that, you know, at that point, you know, I've written a book. It's almost 500 pages. Um I realized in that moment that, you know, I got hurt. I'll bring a little religion in, I guess, in here. You know, God didn't hurt me to take me away from football. God hurt me to let me know that there was something bigger out there that you can write. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that has set me on a path for, you know, certainly doing all the things I've done. But uh, you mentioned Chase Greatness. That's one of 10 books I've written, um, two novels, um, you know, and countless one page, one paragraph things, you know, thing after thing. And it was kind of that moment where, you know what, a message was sent. I, I didn't know what the message was right away. Right. Mm hmm. But I ultimately got the message. And um, so there's my hinge moment. Because um, I always think, especially with injuries and athletes, those are the most difficult things that, that they deal with. But it's it's always through our tragedies that we find then our true passion, our true greatness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. ask you a question. When it comes to mental toughness, our hinge moments, who told you that you couldn't do something? Is there anybody that stands out? Um, I don't, you know, you hear it all the time. Um, and I, and I don't think it's, a. it, it's never, it's seldom mean spirited. I think people try and protect us. I've got kids. I protect them, you know, don't be disappointed, you know. My daughter played college soccer. She just finished up at Denison University, uh, um, east of Columbus. Um, and, and, you know, kind of talking her through, you know, hey, D1's probably not in the cards, you know, D2's probably not in the cards. Um, and, and maybe that wasn't the, the approach I should have had with her. You know, go for it. Do whatever, you know, try and do whatever you can do and just see where it comes out. Because you never know, right? You never know. Um but me personally, I can't, you know, I, you know, I, I can't say that there's somebody out there saying I can't do something. Maybe it's because I've become tone deaf to it. Maybe I hear it and I just, you know, what's it? The confirmation bias. I listen for the people who are saying the things I want to hear. Right. And so if somebody's right. telling me you can't do it, I don't, you know, that's what you say. You know, I can't hear you. When, um, one of the things that uh, came across recently, Boston Scott plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, became NFC Player of the Week. Um, he was always talking about proving people right because when you try to prove people wrong, they're not there anymore. And we right. waste too much energy trying to do that. But we try to prove people right, try to prove the people that have been with us from the beginning and are close to us because they're the ones that are still going to be there. Right. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever take that attitude and have you approach things that way? 
You know, um, I can't say that I have. I think that's, I think that's a great, I think that's a great strategy. You know, I think that's a, that's a great strategy. I can't say that I consciously have done that. Um, if I'm trying to prove somebody right, it's certainly myself. You know, I have a vision and I'm not going to give up on this. And I think we all have moments during our days where we, we feel like quitting. Um, we feel like giving up. And uh, I have been an entrepreneur. I've been self-employed since 1995, Rob. And I would be lying to say if there weren't days where it was like, geez, I should just go get a job. I've got a law degree. I've got an MBA. I've got a CPA. I can go find something. Um, and you have those. And, and I say that I call them moments because they literally are, you know, five, ten minutes where you just kind of then get a hold of yourself and say, you know what? Um, just keep after it. It's not supposed to be easy. You have to remind yourself it's not supposed to be easy. This is supposed to be tough. Um, and if it weren't tough, everybody would, would have done it. Right. So. And when those moments hit, like those those tough times, is that where you put your strategy in on just trying to focus on helping somebody else? Well, you know, I'm I'm I certainly double down on it. Yeah, I, I know that's kind of a way out of uh, you know, <clears throat> like you're an athlete, you're an ultra athlete. You know, when you, uh, you know, I've read your posts, and when, you know, when you're in that uh, that long run, and you start to, you know, you start to feel the pain, your legs get heavy, they they start to hurt you kind of double down on strategies, right? Yeah. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on my, my stride. I'm going to focus on whatever. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. I naturally try to help people. You know, when I, I had somebody call me earlier today and they're 35 years into a, a sales career and really want to kind of change out of the industry that they're in, you know, immediately my mind's going to, okay, here's three people I can connect you with. Two of which you'll probably help them by reaching out to them and, and, and making contact. So I've helped, you know, so I'm naturally doing that, but when things are going, aren't going well, it's just where I make more of a conscious effort. Okay. I need to, I need to get out of my own head to use your, your term. Um, I need to focus on others and see where, you know, see what I can do with respect to this. Yeah. What do you think is the, personality the right mindset for that you've come across even in you know the podcast that you host and the people that you've interacted with and all the business owners what does it take to be to be great i mean that's how you sign my book what does it take to be great if if you want to go down that path of being an entrepreneur you know i think being great is just a function of a function of just doing a little better every day, putting your blinders on. I think we all have our own benchmark for greatness. And that's the problem we run into in society. You know, again, related back to sports, you know, kid does great in high school, gets a D1 scholarship and sets the bench. And everybody laughs like he's a loser. It's like, no, he's not a loser. He's, you know, he's done well for him. You know, he might be undersized or she might be undersized, done well for him based on their God-given talents. Um, so, you know, greatness is just something that we kind of have, ha have to define for ourselves. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. Uh, there'll always be somebody out there with more money, somebody with a bigger house, somebody who's got more trophies. Um, just focus on you and 
how you're going to Im- that you're going to improve yourself. Uh, years ago, somebody hit me with a saying. They said there is no competition for excellence. There's no competition for excellence, and you just need to focus on being a little better every day, and trying to be excellent, um, and not worried about worrying about what other people are doing. So how do we how do we do that? How do we? Because I mean that's a popular saying, right? Be better be better today than you were yesterday. But I think a lot of times, like we're only just looking at then an outcome measure in terms of how do I approach it. I mean, how do we um, be better today than we were yesterday if we're not doing the same exact things or we're not, you know, have that that stopwatch or that, um, you know, the the money line or anything like that? How do, how do we evaluate ourselves when it comes to that? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know that measuring with money is is a help. What what I have done. And, you know, to be honest, I don't have one system that I've had all these years. Yeah. I have, you know, different systems that I'll employ at different points. But one of the things I have done, well, let me give you an example, you know, franchising Amspirit Business Connections. I've, you know, I got 15, 16 franchisees. Um, Rob, there was a time I had none. I had none, you know. I went for two years with none. Um, And that's when you franchise, you've got to hire an auditor to audit your financials and you have to have an attorney to do these uh, disclosure documents for you. Um, And so money's just going out the door. I had none. I had none. Um, And I could have felt sorry for myself and just packed it in. But what I did to try and improve that situation is I just started keeping a log, not of my successes, because I can't control my successes, right? but keeping a log of my activities. You know, I made a call today. I'd write that down, put the date, I typed this, had this all typed up. And I did this for probably seven or eight years. You know, in that first month that the log was only like a page along. But then the more you're doing, the more you find to do, right? Um, hey, I'm going to go and find an event to go to. You go to a, that's one line on there, and then you find the event. And next thing you know, one thing leads to six, seven other things. By the time I got done journaling my activities, I was generating seven, eight pages of activity every month. Um, and I still do the activities. I don't need to journal because it's kind of become part of habit. So if somebody wants to be better at whatever, networking, um, you know, better health, just keep track of the things that you're doing because having that journal kind of screams at you. You, you. When you see that journal and there's nothing in it, I haven't entered anything in it today or the last three days, it kind of screams at you to do something. And even a small thing kind of moves you forward. Um, and you got, you kind of get, uh, I guess you get a little high writing things in there, you know, the hit, hits of dopamine, right? Um, or whatever it is. I think I've got that right. But, you know, just, okay, you know, what else can I do? That wasn't so bad. You know, I'm going to make another call. Uh, I'm going to go to another event or whatever it is and just continue to push at that. And, you know, eventually, I mean, that's how I went from zero franchisees to 15, 16 franchisees. Just, they didn't all, the Greyhound didn't pull up and then just get off. It was one at a time, right. one call at a time. And it's the same thing for you, you know, speaking engagements, you know, it just, Somebody just didn't call you up and say, hey, I heard you had a thought about being a speaker. No, you, you know, you had to come up with the topic. You had to, uh, 
you know, make a lot of contacts. You had to have a lot of asks. You had a lot of people didn't return your call if they took your call at all. Um, and uh, there's all those little pieces along the way. So it's, you know, really kind of measuring or keeping track of the activities because you can you can't control if somebody's going to hire you. Right. You can't. But you can control control the things you can control. And you would write down what seven eight years of of your activities, things that you would do. Yep. And did yep. you when you looked back then, uh, was there a common theme of hey this was a really good month because of the behaviors and actions I would do? Uh, I don't know that there's a theme because you you know certain things have a a longer gestation period than others. Um, so it's really kind of hard to see that pattern. I would imagine there's probably somebody out there who's smart enough that could take the data and figure it out. Um, I wasn't, I just trusted that things would work. Um, now I did look at it from time to time, Rob, and I would say, okay, these are, I would be honest with myself, you know, um, posting something on Facebook is not a high value activity. That's real easy. You know, you can do that in your sleep. Picking up the phone and calling a total stranger and asking for 10 minutes of their time, that's a, that's a little higher, on, you know. So I, you know, towards the end, I was really kind of color coding. You know, I want, I want more green activities. Red activities are nice, but I gotta do the green activities. And does that come back to then doing the things you don't wanna do? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Always love yeah. that one from a football coach. Yeah. The other one I heard when it came to that was doing the things you want to do, but then doing them better. So if I don't want to make that call, look, I'm going to make the call, but am I going to take that few extra minutes of preparation and then mindset? Am I going to go into that call knowing that, hey, they're going to be saying yes, you know, so I better be relaxed for it. Yeah. Instead of, isn't that interesting, that mindset, right? We can be psyching ourselves out before you make that call. Yeah. Saying, well, they don't they don't want us. They don't want me. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Right. Frank, what is um what questions should I be asking that I'm not asking you? Oh boy. That's a hard question. Um man, I really don't know. Um That's a, that's so broad. I mean, I mean, I can, I can go off for hours on pretty much anything, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Do you want me you to ask that? You want me to ask that one again? This first one I've got stumped. It's, it's yeah, up to you. It. It's yeah. up to you, man. What questions, um, should, what questions should I be asking you? That I'm um, not asking? Yeah. You know, you know, we've had this conversation I, and I had this conversation with my daughter when she was, uh, you know, she finished her last soccer game. Of course, everybody, everybody loses their last game. Right. I mean, it's for the most part, John Elway didn't. Okay. But that aside, Peyton, everybody, Peyton Manning didn't. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Peyton Manning too. Jerome Bettis yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm with, few. I'm with you. Yeah. Very, very few. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I told my daughter, I said, once an athlete, always an athlete. That's right. You know, and um, I guess the question is, is, I, you know, I, how do how does athletics play into my life? You know, and I haven't I got hurt on October 3rd or October 15th, 1983. 
Now I've worked out, um, but I haven't done anything competitively since then, athletically. But every day is a competition. Mm-hmm. Every every day is not a line up and butt heads kind of a competition, but it's you know it's a competition with myself to get a little better. Um, am I going to be better? You know, am I, I'm going to, you know, what am I going to do? You know, and I guess it gets back to your mental toughness stuff. It's, it all plays in, um, you know, it all plays into being successful. Yeah. Man, Frank, thanks so much for, uh, taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Where can people then learn more about you, follow you, get your phone number? Uh, you know, um, well, I'm certainly on LinkedIn. The best place to get a hold of me is, or the, the best place to find all the ways to get a hold of me is I've got a website that shows all my books, um, frankagin.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-A-G-I-N.com. We'll put the uh, link. Yeah. it. Uh, um, you can link to my social media. I mean, some people out there are facial to, are, are, are um, partial to Facebook and others LinkedIn. I've got my, my stuff on there. I've got my Twitter stuff. I've got my email. I'm trying to think if there's a phone number on there. I know I have phone number in LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, That's why I, I make that tell, joke. Yeah. Well, I always tell people the best thing to do is to email me. Um, and I'm, you know, we can set up a call. A lot of times people will call and it's like, I'd love to talk to you, but I, I got another call. Um, I tend to schedule out my calls and schedule out my days. Yeah. But uh, you know, if I can help people, I'm happy to. Um, I know that it comes back. I trust that it comes back, and um, not from them necessarily, but just karma. Yeah, karma. Karma takes care of me. Let me ask you one more question then, because usually that's my end. But I mean, what role does faith play in in the business and, and what you do with your life? Uh, you know, it's. It, I mean, it's a big part. I don't push my faith on people. Um, I believe. Uh, I, I'm Catholic. It's neither here nor there. Um, but my kids have gone to Catholic school and I've, you know, become, uh, somewhat involved in, 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 in church. Um, but it's just, you know, what I tend to do anymore is stop and just realize that, you know, we're all just, we're all just trying to feed a family, you know, uh, you know, even, even competitors, um, you know, we we get sideways with one another. And at the end of the day, I just have to remind myself that, you know, it's all, you know, we're all just part of God's family. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, I, it just allows me to just be a little more compassionate with respect to um, how I go about the day and, and realize that, uh, um, you know, I, I have it. I have it. I have it really well, you know. I have bad days, but my bad days are nothing. I had a meeting this morning, Rob, and I stuck around after a meeting. There was a woman. She was looking for a mentor, and I wasn't necessarily looking to mentor her, but who are you looking for? And we talked for 45 minutes, and you know, by the time the conversation was over, I learned that her husband had up and left her. You know, She wasn't doing as well as I thought she was in her business, and so financially she's struggling. Um, and kind of in a tight spot because the business that she's in, she's working for somebody else and um, she's complicated. She's got a non-compete, so it's not as easy as just picking up and going, you know. And I'm just sitting there listening to her and 
you know, she's barely making enough. She's working three jobs and it's like, I got no problems, right? I've got no problems. Um, you know, I'm worried about my kids picking up their clothes. You know, that's not a problem. Um, so, so you asked about faith and it just, you know, I kind of reflect upon all that, that, you know, it's, you know, we, we really just work to, to, to survive. Um, and that's it. Everybody's chosen a different way of doing it. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast.